And uh, we've been studying Search for Truth for weeks now. This will be my third week on lesson number nine, so I'm dragging. But uh, it's a 12-lesson course, and we're spending three weeks on lesson number nine. But it's all right, because I want us to get it, amen? And I want us to know, good to have all of our visitors here this evening. Thank you for worshiping with us. I met Brian. Thank you, Brian Sellers, for being with us. I'm glad to have D. Lynn back. I love you, D. Lynn. Good to see you. And this wonderful couple that was here Sunday with... Uh, with, uh, uh, well, I know your name as well as I know mine, but I'm glad you're here. Shelby, would you just poke your husband, tell him I know his name's Dylan, and that y'all are brought visitors. Thank you so much. God bless you. Amen. We're glad to have them with the Lasters. May God bless you this evening. We're going to the Lord in prayer. Now we've got to pray a little bit because Sister Carolyn Cupid has COVID again, and uh, Brother James Ross has COVID again. And we, Brother David Boland's been exposed to COVID again. Look at your neighbor and say, would y'all please be careful? Jesus, help us, Lord. We do not want another delusive COVID. So here's what I'm going to say to you on this Wednesday night real quickly. If you have symptoms or if you are, think you even think you might have it, would you please stay home and watch us online? We don't want you around till you get over that. Amen. And I'm not being mean. David, good to see you and your sweet wife and daughter. My goodness, she had COVID, but she's way over it. So thank you for being home, Rhonda. God bless you. Amen. Love you all. We're going to the word of the Lord in just a moment. Before we do, let's pray. How many of you have needs tonight? You know God can take care of it. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you this evening. We know you are God, and we know you're able to do exceeding and abundant above all that we ask or even think. Let the presence of God be in this room today. I pray that you would heal every one of these whom we call their name. I pray you would go to wherever they are and minister to them in the name of Jesus. Let every unspoken request be taken into your consideration, God, because you're the healer of all of our diseases. Touch us in the name of the Lord, and we give praise to you right now. Clap your hands before you're seated. Man, God bless you. We're glad to have all of you, all of you in the house of the Lord, and uh, thank you for being with us. We, we, we do things a little different on Wednesday night. We don't have music. We just have Bible study, and I'll have you out of here. My last, I, I, I know I will be through at 8 o'clock because the last thing my wife said before she walked out of the office is get through by 8. So we're going to be through by 8. I have a divine instruction here. You know about that, don't you, Brother Jason? <laughs> Amen. So I, I, I wanna I wanna take some things and uh, and throw them at you tonight. Uh, things that I don't often get to talk about. I preach Sunday mornings, and I never get to talk to our kids. And uh, it's 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 a great delight for me to be able to just speak to the young people here. Isn't this a great group of of the young people? Aren't we proud of them? Aren't we proud of them? I tell you, Brother Chase and Sister Taylor just doing a fantastic job, and uh, they they've been having clinics this week and teaching them how to do media and and talking to them about singing and I don't know what all they've got going on, but all week long they're just doing clinics and these kids are involved and I'm I'm so thankful for them. 
The five-fold ministry is where I'm going to start today very quickly. I, some of this I will be very brief with. We're going to study, first of all, the chart number five, Brother Jeff, lesson nine, a new priesthood with new living sacrifices. We, we talked last uh, Wednesday night about the gifts of the Spirit, and that took a little while, and I didn't cover them thoroughly, but hopefully enough that you understand the gifts of the Spirit. So uh, tonight, let me ask you first of all, who, who don't have one of these sheets? Do y'all all have a sheet? Does everybody have a sheet of paper, the, a study sheet? Everybody got one? Come on, hand them out there, Matthew. Anybody over here need one? Right here, Amber. Good to see you and Justin tonight. God bless you. Need a couple right over here, Brother Grady. And uh, you can hand those out. Just hold your hand up and they'll hand them out to you while I'm talking a little bit. We talked about the, the gifts of the Spirit. Tonight, uh, we're going to talk about a new priesthood with new living sacrifices. And I'm going to hurry through this chart because there's a lot of other things that I want to cover tonight. There's a five-fold ministry. There's five types of ministry that the Lord gave us. Now, the Lord gave us many ministries. Uh, here's, here's more. Grady, here's more on this side too, okay? Uh, there's more ministries than just the five-fold ministry. That's the, that's the ministry of, of preaching or teaching, the five-fold ministry. But in, in the book uh, of God, there are ministries that are serving, exhortation, giving, ruling, showing mercy, helps, government, hospitality. All of these things is what God equips us with for the ministry. And I want to tell every one of you something. Everybody in this church is a minister. Let me say that again. Everybody in this church, all of our young people, all of our elders, all of the middle age, everybody is a minister. Because God gives you gifts to use for the ministry of the church. You may have the, the gift of hospitality. You may have the gift of government. You may have the gift of helps. So all of these are listed and there are scriptures in the sheet that you have talking about these. The Bible said in Ephesians 4 and 11, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Here's why. Here's why God gave preachers to the church. Are you listening? For the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the building up. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the first chart is, is that we are living a new priesthood and with new and living sacrifices, you see the fivefold ministry listed on the left, and these are to, to the, these are for our good, not for our bad, but for our good. And I believe in every one of those that they are effective and relevant in the church in 2022. Does anybody believe that with me? Amen. And then the Bible said that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood that we should show forth, show forth the praises of him who hath called us where? Out of darkness into the marvelous light. So here's, here's and, and, and I don't have time to, I wish I had time, but you see these little, these little pictures, dancing, singing, musical instruments, lifting hands, clapping hands, all of these are part of biblical worship. I want to tell you something. 
When you go to a church and they don't do this stuff, it's pretty much a dead church. Amen? Somebody needs to be clapping. Somebody needs to be singing. There's times we need to be dancing and lifting our hands. The musical instruments, and don't we have the best here? We've got great talent in this church, and every bit of that is for the lifting up of Jesus. Amen? It's not about a talent show. It's because God called us to be a royal priesthood that we should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness. So when we're, we're in church, on, and especially on Sundays, that's when we let our, uh, well, some of y'all let your hair down. I don't have any hair to let down, so, so be it. But when we, when, we, when we really put the music up here and the singers up here and people are worshiping God, I just want to solidify what we do tonight. Every bit of that is Scripture. And we always need deep worship in this church. Amen. The Bible said you also are as lively stones. Build up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And then it goes into the scripture that is on the chart here. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. Guess what else it said? You are a peculiar people. This is your best chance to say what you've been wanting to say to that one next to you. Just look at them right now and say, Pastor said you were peculiar. A peculiar people. That's what we are. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. We don't act like everybody else. We don't worship like everybody else. We don't sing and clap and do the things that everybody else does in their way. We do it God's way. Can somebody shout amen? I could give you scripture for every one of these. They're on your chart. But I want to tell you, this church still believes in singing. This church still believes in worship. This church still believes in clapping your hands. We believe in lifting up holy hands to God. We believe in dancing in the spirit. We believe in Holy Ghost anointing because we are called to that purpose. If you don't like that, you probably won't like us. Because there's going to be that. And then the last thing you'll see on this chart is at the bottom of that, of that chart, David's tabernacle restored. If you go read in Acts chapter 15, I've preached on this uh, years ago. I hadn't preached on it in a while. But, you know, the Bible said that, <laughs> that David's tabernacle was going to be restored. And you have to go back to study the tabernacle of David in the Old Testament to understand what James, the pastor of Jerusalem, was talking about in Acts chapter 15 because what he was saying was, we're going to bring back in real worship. We're going to bring back what God gave us in the Old Testament. Somebody said, well, that's Old Testament worship. Really? Well, I challenge you to go look at the book of Acts because they worship God in the book of Acts. They got... They got to the place folks thought they were drunk. I don't know of anybody around here that's been accused of being drunk lately. Might need to get a little Holy Ghost wine. Amen.
And then this next chart is where I really want to go for a while tonight. Would you please put that next chart up? It says a holy people separated unto God. I, I want to explain some things to you tonight, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not fixing to preach you a, a clothesline sermon. That's not what I called you in here for, young people. I just want you to hear it from pastor. What we as a church ought to be. Because here's what the Bible said. Come out from among them, saith the Lord, and be separate. I will be your God, and you will be my sons and daughters. When God calls us out of the world, and into the church, we become a separated people. Everybody say amen. So the nation of Israel had long been separated. You, you, you would know them by their separation and their set apart, their righteousness, their pure, their goal. Here's what the word holy refers to. Being separated or set apart, being righteous, pure, godlike, uncontaminated, beautiful. That's, that's what it really refers to. And this is what Ephesians 2 said in verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So here's the deal. We can't get holy to get God. We have to get God to get holy. We have tried for years to dress up the pig. Think about it. We want to clean everybody up to look right. We want to clean everybody up where they talk right. We want to, clean, we, we want to make sure the outside. But I'm going to give you something tonight. I believe that when the Lord said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And that's in the scriptures in 1 Peter I believe he expected us to be holy. But holiness starts with the Holy Ghost. You can't be holy on your own. I mean, I, I, look, just stay with me. I'm, I'm going I'm to be blunt with you tonight. You could cover yourself the top of your head to your toes and nothing but your little eyeballs showing. That don't make you holy. If it's so, then those, be careful, Danny, those Muslims are holy. And they believe in a God I don't believe in. Amen? Is that all right? I don't mean to be critical, but the facts are to get holy, you get God. Here's, here's when the Lord said, be holy for I am holy. That's in 1 Peter 1.16, but watch this. He also said in that whole realm of Scripture, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And then he goes on to say in Hebrews, follow peace with all men, without which no man, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Here's what the Bible teaches. If we're going to be a holy, separated people unto God, then we cannot be like everybody else in this world. Amen? If y'all get too quiet on me, I, I, I made a statement 
couple weeks ago, I was talking, y'all got real quiet on me, and I said, man, I can hear the, the, the mice running across the ceiling tile. One fellow went home, told his wife, he, she wasn't here, she said, said, said we, 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 Brother Danny said we had mice, and she said, I ain't going back. And it was all a big joke. I saw her that weekend, I said, I'm shocked to see you here since we had mice running across the ceiling tile. But there are principles. Notice the left side of this chart. There are principles of separation and principles of holiness to live for God. And they are principles. Let me, let me, let me, I, I want to be careful. Some of you old timers just going to have to bear with me. I'm talking to youth and old timers here tonight. But I want to tell you, everything that everybody deems as holiness is not holiness. You get holiness out of the scriptures. It's very well written what God expects out of his church. When you come out of the world, there's some things that's going to change. We're going to talk about that. But you, you instantly are separated from sin and the world, and you're dedicated to God. That's what holiness is. It's separation from the world. It's dedication to God. How many of you know that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your life, that things changed in your life? I mean, it wasn't like it used to be. You didn't want to go some places and do some things and say some things and be with some of the things that you used to be. God literally changes us. That's why the Lord said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's what the Lord told us to do. Here's, I'm going to read you a scripture because you know, I've heard people say, well, this will keep you out of heaven. And we got new folks here. Please don't let me scare you tonight. We, I've heard folks say, well, this, bless God, you can't do this, and you can't do this. And Well, let me just tell you, the Lord gave us scripture for what will keep you out of heaven. Okay? He gave us scripture. Here's what he said. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, in case you're wondering, that's sissies, nor, ab nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, I'm reading out of the Bible, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul said, such were some of you, but ye are washed and ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. These things will keep you from inheriting the kingdom of God. There's been a bunch of rules made up. There's been a bunch of stuff said. There's been a bunch of preaching for the last hundred and something years that that. Some things were biblical, some things were not. It's not what I choose to be right. It's what God says is right and what God says is wrong. We, young people, this is one reason I want you here because I want you to know you are a special group. You are, you are the youth that's going to be this church of tomorrow. You're, you're already this church. 
I'm telling you, these two guitar players right here, they're here every Sunday. I got people here. There's, there's Mitchell that, that's leading in the youth, and these, these kids, are they're already involved. They're already a part of this church. But let me tell you, this church hinges on what you get out of these scriptures and how you're going to live your life. I don't want to see a church without an apostolic revival and a move of the Holy Ghost and Pentecostal worship and Pentecostal lifestyle. I want to see us move to the things of God and hunger and thirst after God. Is anybody with me tonight? Amen. So when the Spirit comes in, righteousness comes in. And we, we are sanctified by the Spirit of God. We are, we are sanctified, and, and we might call this the process of sanctification because he deals with our past, he deals with our present, he deals with our future. That's, in your, that's on your chart today. In the, he wipes away our past. He cleans us up when we say, forgive us, Lord. Amen. And then he deals with our right now. He deals with us as we live for God. He's here every step of the way. And then he talks about the future. Every step of that, we have to be separated and holy unto God. The past, the present, and the future. And then we grow to maturity. Let me talk about that for just a little bit. Growing to maturity. What does that mean? Well, let me just tell you this. When Toby and Bethany had a baby Sunday, that, that baby will be on milk, milk for quite some time. That baby was born without teeth. Amen? Now, that's not a problem. Every baby, well, most babies, probably 99% of babies are born without teeth. But if you don't have teeth at 10 years old, we got a problem. If your mama's still changing your diaper at 8 years old, you, you, you got a problem. You hadn't matured much. Am I right? So this is what the Bible talks about. It talks about maturing in God. And growing in God. Let, let, me, let me challenge you today. Every day of your life, every week, every month, we ought to be getting better at living for God. We ought to get better at serving God. We ought to get better at praying to God. We ought to get better at worshiping God. You with me? Because that is what happens when you mature. You grow and you you you. Become more Christ-like. Christ-like attitudes. This let, let me let, let me don't let me go there. Let me go to renewed mind. The Bible talks about when we come to God, we get a renewed mind. Everybody say we think different. You can't think like the world anymore. You, you think totally different from the world. The world is full of all kind of junk and filth. And I preached hard here on Sunday, and I said some things that I don't take back because let me tell you, what social media do, will do is infiltrate your mind. What pornography would do is infiltrate your mind. What bad songs on the radio will do is infiltrate your mind. 
what newscasts will do, and most of it's propaganda, will infiltrate your mind. you got to have the mind of Christ. And when you come to God and separate yourself, you gotta, you got to get the mind of God with a renewed mind. That's why Paul said in Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you which was in also in Christ Jesus. In other words, how long has it been since we prayed this prayer? Lord, just let me think like you. Just let me have the mind of God. I pray that prayer every, every day. Let me have the mind of God. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know where I need to, to, to go and what I need to do. But most of anything else, Lord, I want to know the mind of God. When you know the mind of God, the old man will leave and the renewed mind will come. Are you with me? Amen. And, and, and then, and then Christ-like attitudes. Everybody say attitude. Well, let me just tell you a little story I learned a long time ago. Attitude determines altitude, how high you want to fly, how much you want to be used of God, how important you want to be to God. Because if you get the wrong attitude, you ain't going nowhere. Amen? One writer said many years ago, many years ago, he said, you know what we need? We need a checkup from the neck up to help stop stinking thinking and hardening of the attitudes. Pretty good stuff. A checkup from the neck up. You got to get your head screwed on right. Amen? As a man thinketh in his heart, we talked about that last week. But not just that. Our attitude toward one another. Our attitude toward God. Our attitude toward the church. I can't answer for you. I can only answer for me. But outside of my wife and my family, this church is the most important thing in my life. This is my salvation. This is where, where I'm going to find peace and truth. This is it right here. That's why the Lord, is so, it's the body of Christ. I'm not talking about just even the local church. I'm talking about the body of Christ in general. We, we, we ladies and gentlemen, are part of a body and a bride that the Lord himself protects. As a matter of fact, he was so protective, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. My church is going to be okay. And I want to be a part of that church. The church is the most important part of my life. It's more important than any hobby. It's more important than anything else I do. It's more important than my friends. It's more important than any society or anything. It's more important. The church is the most important thing in our lives and I have to keep that attitude. Amen? If you got the attitude, oh God, it's church time again. You need the Holy Ghost. I'm smiling, but I'm telling the truth. If you got the attitude, oh, Jesus, if I don't show up, Brother Dan's going to be calling me. It ain't me you got to answer to. It's not me. I don't make the rules. I'm just preaching them. But what are you going to do about Jesus? You see, our attitude toward things. And, and, and then... There's the lift of, of the principles of, of holy and separated living. That's just principles. 
This other side says practical application. What you say? Is there anybody in this room that will be honest enough to say to me tonight, I have said some things that immediately I wish I hadn't said them. If you don't raise your hand, you're, you're a hypocrite. Yes, you have. You've wanted to stuff them right back in there. Amen? You know what the Bible said? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. What you say matters. I said what you say matters. Oh, it don't matter what I say. Yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. And I, I read something the other day where somebody said that, that when you have to use vulgar and foul language to get your point across, your IQ is probably not too high. Probably the truth. And I know none of you ever do that. I know that. So you all got 140 IQs. I understand that. But it happens in our world. What you say. I could spend one hour tonight talking about the power of the tongue. The Bible said it is like the helm of a ship. That it can turn a little bitty rudder, a helm of a ship, can turn a ship as long as three football fields. And, and, and gradually it just turns it. That's what the tongue does. That's why you don't need to be around anybody that is a criticizer. Criticize is the littlest size that God ever dealt with. I want to be around people that love God, love truth, talk positive. I ain't hanging around you if you're negative. Don't come telling me all the bad stuff. I'm just being me tonight. I hope it's all right. But what you say matters. How your tongue puts it out there matters. There's a whole Bible lesson on the power of the tongue. Amen? You can speak it, and, and I'm telling you when you speak it, it's powerful. Not only is the practical application of what you say, but what you see. Now, I want to deal here a little bit, okay? See, kiddos, why I want you all out here tonight? This is the only time I get to talk to you on a night like this. But what you see. Look, there's some things that you shouldn't look at. David said, I will, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. Amen? Now, I don't preach against television. I'm just telling you, the old timers, they did, and, 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 and that's fine. That's good. But they probably don't anymore because there's stuff way worse than television. But I preach against where you go on the television. I preach where you go on the Internet. I preach against what kind of books you read because here's what the Bible said. My eye affects my heart. What you see in your eye, the Bible said your eye is the light of your body. And if your eye be full of darkness, your whole body is full of darkness. But if your eye be full of light, your body is full of light. See, I'm talking about something that affects us every day, every day. I, I, and I've said this many, many times. Some of you hadn't heard me say things like this because I don't preach this kind of stuff normally on a Sunday morning. I might need to, but I, 
I, I don't normally. But, but here's the deal. I used to, billboards was the biggest thing. That was the greatest advertisement. And I, I can remember all kind of billboards. You know, that they, would, they would advertise something with a half-naked woman sitting on a car, the hood of a car. It, you go buy that product, you don't get the car or the woman. That's just to get your attention. Amen. Anybody ever remember that billboard of a guy on a big, beautiful horse, and he's got the reins in his hands and his cowboy hat on, and, and there's a beautiful stream running over the rocks, and he's on that, and it says, from the country of 1,100 springs. See, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out dating myself here. But it was Marble country. But he didn't show you the cancer ward or the oxygen tent or the money that you're fixing to pour down the drain. My money ain't going up in smoke. I get my feelings hurt when fireworks go off. <laughs> so what you see matters. I want you to say it with me. What I see matters. Christians shouldn't go to the wrong kind of movies. Christians shouldn't watch the wrong kind of shows. Christians shouldn't read the wrong kind of material. Kiddos, be careful what you watch. Don't get your phone and go to some site that will give you evil thoughts because that's what the Bible teaches against for holy and separated people under God. I got to hurry. What you hear. Everybody say what I hear. Now look, y'all going to laugh at me. I love it, but I, it's okay. This uh, rap stuff. Do y'all really understand what they're saying? Do you really understand that stuff? You see, about the worst thing back when I was a kid was, or even when I was an adult, Trying to love two women is like a ball and chain. Now I'm on some of you's turf, aren't I? But you know what? What you hear matters. What you hear goes right here. And it goes right here. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. I'm talking about how to be separated from the world because the world don't think anything about that. They think that's wonderful and great, but we have to guard ourselves. And I didn't realize what the words of some of those songs were till a few years ago, and somebody began to tell me what some of the words Let me tell you something. If it's words that are degrading, if it's words that are sinful, if it's words and those songs, I, look, the beat don't bother me, but the words and the presentation do because there are subliminal messages that get to you, and you can't listen to that junk without being affected. Hallelujah. Y'all love me? So let me go a little further. Where you go? The practical application to holiness is where you go. Where do you go? There's some places we don't go. There's some places that if I did go when I was a kid, my daddy would have, woo, I wouldn't have been here today. I'd have been lame. I'm telling you right now. 
There's just some places you don't go. You know why you don't go there? Because it's not good for you. Let, I got I got to hurry because I don't I, I don't want to I don't get bogged down. But where you go matters. When I was a kid, mom and dad always and we didn't have cell phones. But I can tell you this: if I was going to be five minutes late, I was looking for a payphone because I had to call my mom and dad say because I knew what was coming if I was late and I didn't let them know. You got cell phones in your hand, mom. Every kid's got a cell phone now, and 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 here's what we have to do: we have to in the in 2022, we have to know where our our teenagers are. We have to know when our children are, and we have to be sure of where we go and what we do because it matters to God if we're going to be the bride of Christ. Amen? Notice that next one. It says adornment and dress. Adornment and dress. Here's what I believe. I, be I teach three things in this church, okay? Times have changed so many things. But I believe that people ought to be modest. I believe they ought to use moderation. And I believe there ought to be morality. I preached one time in this pulpit on the three M's of righteousness. Modesty. What is modesty? Modesty is, is dressing in a modest fashion. Everything that we do ought to be modest wherever we go. Now look, if you're, if you're on the beach 10,000 miles from anybody... Hey, I don't care if you get naked. That's between you and God. I, I, one time years and years and years ago, I was fishing, and I had my shirt off. I was on the backside of the desert. I, was, I mean, I was on the backside of nowhere. I, if I took you there, you'd think you was lost. But, but a guy came up, not a woman, a guy came up, and I had my shirt off. I didn't think nothing about it. I just kept fishing. A few weeks later, I was in a hospital room, and a lady that went to another church, she said, Yeah. She was in the weight room. I'll never forget it. She said, yep, you's out there fishing with your shirt off. You reckon God saw you? And it just boiled my blood real good. And I said, you think he might have saw me take a bath this morning? And she shut up. But when we're in public, and wherever we go, we are commanded. There are scriptures that tell us to dress modest and dress holy. And our adornment as Christians, every, everybody here, and here's what I believe. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not going, I don't have time to read all the scriptures. But here's what I do believe. I do believe that men ought to look like men and women ought to look like women. Does anybody believe that with me? I don't believe, now look, look, and the kids are out here tonight, so I'm going to be real careful. I talk to them in X-rated fashion every once in a while, y'all not in here. But I'm going to be real careful tonight. God made a woman beautiful, and men look on women. That's why the Lord said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. So you've got to be careful. But she never said anything, God never said anything about us so ugly guys. He never warned y'all not to look at us because y'all could care less. That's the truth. Now, I, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So, somebody said one time, matter of fact, my daddy was teaching a Bible study here on a Sunday morning, a Sunday school class. 
and, uh, and, and, and somebody raised their hand and said, why are all the rules for the women? And a woman raised her hand. I can name her name. She said, because the men make the rules. But I'm going to go a little further. God made the rules. So we have to be careful how we dress. We want to look modest. We want to look right. We don't just represent God at church. We represent God everywhere we go and in everything that we do. You can wear clothes too tight. You can wear clothes revealing. You can wear clothes too low on the neckline. You, you, you can just wear clothes that are revealing. And I'm here's what I want to ask you. I read a little book many, many, many years ago, and it, it was written by a Church of Christ preacher's wife. And I, I don't even remember her name right now, but I remember reading this book from a Church of Christ preacher's wife. And the name of the book was, Your Clothes Say It For You. Everybody say it with me. Your clothes say it for you. So my question to you on this Wednesday night is, why do you wear what you wear? Is it to be provocative? Is it to be cool? Or is it to be modest and Christian? See, there's those rats running across the ceiling tile again. Why do you wear what you wear? So we can't, we can't look like the world in our adornment, in our dress. I'm telling you right now, there, there's, there's, <laughs> there's times that, I mean, these old eyes aren't deceiving me. I'm old, but I'm not this old. They're not deceiving me. And I see things and say, oh, my goodness. What are they thinking? And you've seen people like that too. Y'all might as well smile. You know I'm telling the truth. I don't care how bad it hurts. I'm telling the truth. So modesty and moderation and morality are the sure signs of righteousness in the church. I could, I could pinpoint, I could go into a lot of things. I don't like to do that because I'm not trying to stir up an argument. I'm just trying to make you see what Jesus sees. I want you to see what his word says. He said, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plaiting of hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. In those days, there the, the women, and, and it's a cultural thing, they were piling their hair up real high and weaving gold and pearls and silver and all kind of jewels up in their hair. But he's not... He's not telling you that, that all of the, the wearing of God, because he said putting on of apparel, he sure wasn't preaching against putting on of apparel. Uh-oh. I crossed some of his theology right there. But he is saying be moderate. Be godly. Look right. Because you represent God. You're holy and separated. Here's another one. Care of the body. Care of the body. And I want to tell you something. Soap and water is about the cheapest thing you can buy. And if you've got a problem with odor, you need a bath. Don't y'all love me? You better. I'm telling the truth. There ain't no sense in nobody stinking. I'll buy you a bar of soap. 
But it's not just talking about that. Our bodies, everybody say this with me, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost. When God comes to live in our body, he commands us that we take care of our body, which is our temple. Now watch me, okay? This is why we don't do some things. And when you go to talking about things and specific things, you know, people say, well, what about this and what about that and what about the other? And, you know, the Bible doesn't name all the things that, that we think are harmful to your body. I personally, I personally would never pick up a cigarette because that's harmful to your body. I, I, I wouldn't dip. I wouldn't chew because the Bible tells me that my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. I, now, here's my issue. If I got any issues, sometimes I'm a glutton. But I'm asking God to help me, and I'm trying to get over that. You've all been there. I can tell by looking. But we want to brush over some things, but not other things. Here's what I'm telling you. The Bible said all things are lawful. Come on, say this with me. All things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. You know what that means? I might get by with it, but it's not best. It hurts my witness. It hurts my body. It hurts my living for God. Amen? And you, I'm not God. Somebody, somebody asked me the other day, is so-and-so going to hell? I said, hey, 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 I'm not God. I can only tell you what the Bible said. I can't put anybody in hell and wouldn't try to do that. But here's the thing. If when we start doing things, and, and here's what I do preach against. I, I believe that nothing, nothing should become an addiction to us. That's why fasting is good for your body. It's good for gluttony. It's good to prove to yourself that you don't have to have that. It's the killing of your flesh. And, I, you know, let's don't be in denial here. Things that we put in our body and, and, and do to our body that, that are harmful are not pleasing to God. Is everybody with me? I ought to answer this, but I'm not. So I'm in church. So don't do things that are harming your body. Your body is a temple of God. There's some things the Surgeon General tells you. Don't do them. Y'all don't get quiet anymore. I'm talking about holy and separated unto God. And I believe we ought to walk the walk and talk the talk. These are practical applications. Things, and they're, look, I, if you don't have one of these sheets, you get one before you leave here. Everything I'm saying is in the Bible. Everything I'm saying is scripture tonight. So, so what do we do? We apply the, the, we apply the practical application, and here's what Romans 12 said. As a matter of fact, this scripture is imprinted on the front of this church. It was my dad's scripture. And this is what it says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
This, this, this scripture came up. Brother Jason Hodge had one of the greatest uh, thoughts on this that I've heard in a long time when we were in Foolproof Man a couple weeks ago. And this scripture came up. I present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is reason, your reasonable service. He said his old pastor, Brother Jason, I'm not going to say it because I'll say it wrong. What would your old pastor say? When what you call sacrifice become reasonable service to you, you've conquered that thing in your flesh. Isn't that good? See what you miss in foolproof man? That was, that was enlightening to me. Old Brother Mayo, was it? Taught that. Great thought. Great thought. But your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Take care of your body. Don't put anything in it that is not good. Don't do anything to it that is not good. God made you the way he wanted you. You, 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 don't, you don't need to improve on what he done. Just be careful. That's your body. And if you got the Holy Ghost, your body is a temple of God. Make sure God's pleased with it. I hurry. I got eight minutes, and I got to be through by eight because Arlene said I had to. Take the next chart, if you will. A balanced life. Notice this guy. He's got the, the balance, okay? He's standing there b b behind the balance. It, it's, it's got to all way out. The natural. Do you know Jesus lived a, ba a, a balanced life? Do you know that? Jesus had to sleep. Jesus had to eat. Jesus had to do everything. He had to do all these things. He slept. He, he, he went through everything we do. Notice on the left side it says the natural. That's the natural man. Everybody has to sleep. You got to go to work. You need an education. You got household duties, mom. You got meals to prepare. You got personal grooming you need to take care of by all means. You got family time and finances and hobbies and reading and recreation and shopping and fellowship. All that's natural. That just comes natural. That's part of it. Now, if that's all you did, the balance is going to be out of kilter. Right? But on the other hand, there's a spiritual man. And it takes prayer, which is hard, but you've got to do that. And you've got to fall in love with Jesus to communicate with him. Bible study, which is necessary. Thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Meditation. David said, I will meditate day and night. Church, you got to go to church. Church is important. Everybody say amen. Church is where you get food. Church is where you become a, a better Christian. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and you need a preacher to preach to you when you go to church. Tithe and offering. Everybody say tithe and offering. You got to pay tithes. Could I, I wish I had a little time tonight. Can I have two or three more minutes, Arlene? No. Isn't it great to have a good wife that keeps you straight? She told me just before I came here, she said, if it wasn't for me picking you up every Sunday evening, Monday morning, you wouldn't make it. Ties, offerings, ties, look at me. If everybody in this church would be honest with God and not rob God and give 10% of your increase 
this church would, there's no telling what we could do. Tithes don't belong to you. They belong to God. He's got a plan. He gives you 90% and he only wants 10%. I want you kids to hear me right now. You go get a job and you make $50, $5 belongs to God. If you make $100, $10 belongs to God. Somebody asked me one time, what's 12%? I said, I don't know. I'll have to figure that up because I can only figure 10%, but I can figure 10%. But here's the thing. It's God's plan. It's the way he done it. And you know what? You go read, you go read Malachi chapter 3. I want you to hear me right now. I'm not going to spend the rest of my time. Well, I might. I might because I don't have but four minutes. But tithing is biblical. And Malachi chapter 3 said, will a man rob God? How then shall a man rob God? Through tithes and offering. I'd rather rob Chase Bank than I had to rob God. I'd rather rob anybody at any place than to rob God. When you don't pay your tithes, you're robbing God. Offerings is not tithes. Offerings is anything above 10%. Do I need to preach this again? I might need to preach this again because every once in a while I take a look and I go, you're kidding me. I know good and well that they hadn't lived on $10,000 this year. This out. And especially when I start putting out tithing receipts and, and, and I'm saying, you got to be kidding. Sadie Norton and Christine Lawson and, and these old timers, they own Social Security. Thank you, Sister Sadie. You're faithful. But do you know you pay tithes more than some of the working men of this church? I might just take three or four more minutes whether Earlene lets me or not. I'm pretty known to do that. Tithes is important. It's part of the balance. You can't spend all your money on recreation, all your money eating out, and all your money. You've got to bless God. That's part of it. And if you're not, guess what? You're not robbing me. I want you to read my lips right now. You're not robbing me. I get the same amount every month. If you give or don't give, I ain't going hungry. But this church will be cheated and God will be cheated. And he can remove some things out of your life. Family devotion, how important is that? Fasting, praise, witnessing, sharing the gospel, good deeds, teaching, praying for the sick, fellowship. All of that is a spiritual side. You need both of them in your life. You can't talk in tongues 24-7. You got to be a real person. You can't do the natural 24-7. You got to take time to do the spiritual. But when you do, the balance is right. And you know what? You're happy and you got joy and you got peace. And when you get up in the morning, you thank God for another day because he's blessing you. <laughs> I got a feeling. Okay, let's stand. One minute, two. Last scripture, watch this. 
As every man hath received the gift, even so minister, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Everybody say this with me, good stewards. You not only have to be stewards of your money, you got to be stewards with your time. you got to be stewards with your abilities. You, but y'all see why I want you out here? I don't get to talk to y'all like this, but I love you. And I want you to do the things of God. This group right here is going to be powerful in this church as time goes on. That's it, guys. Go right ahead. Receive the offering. That's a good thing. Just come right on while I'm talking. And that way, Ernie can't blame it on me. Amen. You can see I don't want to be in trouble. You can also see I ain't real worried about it. Amen. Hallelujah. God's good. Everybody say amen.